Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen. Human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking end zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know who that's? The Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And I am honored to welcome back one of my favorite guests. He was the right-hand man to Jerry Reese when they won two Super Bowls with the Giants and Eli Manning. So he knows a thing or two about building a winning franchise. Was with the Eagles before that as a scout. Now he's the executive vice president of football operations for the XFL, which is going to be launching in 2023 under The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. So we got to ask him about that a little bit later. Wide receiver at Princeton. And also he is a commentator for NFL Network, where he will be part of their NFL draft coverage from April 29th all the way up through May 1st. Mr. Mark Ross. Mark, it's a pleasure to have you back on, sir. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure as well. Thanks for the wonderful introduction, man. I couldn't have it, couldn't have said it any better myself. <laughs> well, you certainly lived up to it. And I'll tell you, you more than anybody else, I've been looking forward to talking to about the draft because you have this unique gift of not only having that knowledge and that experience and that pedigree, but also you really explain things beautifully in a way that a normal civilian who's not a football lifer can understand. But also, last year you were on the show 
and you went on and on and on about Elijah Moore. You said he was your favorite player in the draft, and the Jets drafted him, and so then you came back on and really enlightened us about how much you loved Elijah Moore. So I'm thinking, Mark, that maybe the Jets are listening to you. So I guess I should have emailed you a list of players I wanted them to pick before we yeah. recorded this show so that they would rip it off and go and do it. Well, maybe we'll touch on that uh, today. I'll just They don't have to have any draft meetings. Just listen to this podcast, and I'll have them set for their first, first their 38, first, four to third, first 38 picks there to just uh, listen to what I got to say and go have a good day and take the, take, take the day off. We got to get them to send you a consulting check. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. So, Mark, let's talk about the edge rusher position first. And before we started recording, I was talking to you about Kayvon Thibodeau. And I said that it seems like people are starting to chip away at him and nitpick a little bit. And you said, no, that's not actually what's happening. And you explained the process to me and why we're starting to hear some things about Kayvon Thibodeau that we didn't hear before, some criticisms and such. So I wanted to talk about Thibodeau, but also, obviously, this is a very deep edge rusher class by all accounts. You've got Aiden Hutchinson, who's expected to go number one overall. Trevon Walker is sort of a polarizing prospect because there's so much upside, but he's got a lot of work to do to get to where people need him to be to justify a top five pick. David Ajabo from Michigan, who got hurt, but he's a dynamic player. George Karloftis from Purdue. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. Boye Mafe. It's loaded with names. Tell me what you think about some of the guys here at Edge Rusher, and also, if you could, elaborate a little bit on what you were telling me before we start recording in terms of what's happening with Kayvon Thibodeau. Right. So just to start with Thibodeau in his situation, yeah, it's not that it's nitpicking. It's a lot of times a lot of these prospects or big-name prospects or five-star recruits and uh, big-time recruits and early on get built up by the media, and it's really media-driven how a lot of these players or, or the splash plays that they make in Thibodeau's situation I compared a lot to Jadavion Clowney where Jadavion Clowney was it's the same situation that you know biggest recruit ever in history and South Carolina made gigantic splash plays and then once the draft time came around that draft year then you heard all these sort of uh, the real analysis from scouts about some of the deficiencies in Jadavion Clowney's game and it was well why is it, why are people picking on Jadavion Clowney it's it's not that it's just you're getting the evaluation from the NFL side now from the scouts who are actually digging deep and evaluating these players and this is similar with Thibodeau where Again, he's built up a lot coming into this year, but then once scouts start digging, he's a junior, and scouts will look at juniors throughout the season, so you'll see a little bit coming out, but then the more the season goes on and they actually declare, then it's a real deep dive into that player and the off-the-field issues or that they may have or their personality. So that's the, kind of what's happened with Thibodeau, in my view, is that he was built up to be something he was not, and then the true evaluation started coming in where, no, this guy has serious deficiencies in his game and they're just being highlighted and exposed. Uh, that being said, you know, it is, as you mentioned, there's a lot of names in this group, but a lot of question marks with a lot of these guys. And, you know, people think you just take an edge rusher and then automatically they just dominate your, your pass rush is, is solved. And that's hasn't really shown to be a case without, except for some rare exceptions who come in and just play good right off the bat. You know, there's a lot of nuance and development that goes into being an effective NFL pass rusher. It's not just, Hey, go run by people. Cause that just doesn't happen in the NFL. You need savvy, you need moves, you need technique, you need counter moves. So there's a lot of intriguing players in this draft, but just as far as 
who's going to come in next year and just dominate for a team and solve someone's pass rush. I just don't see that here. You'll you'll have some. I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be an excellent pro, not a dominant pro. Uh, uh, Jermaine Johnson is my favorite out of all these guys, uh, just as far as I think he's the best pure pass rusher out of all these guys. Uh, and then you've got some guys like the Mafes and Ojabos of the world, and uh, who who teams will try to uh, Abikite from Penn State. He's an under radar favorite guy of mine as well. So some intriguing names. A lot of guys will get taken. Uh, but uh, just got to be the right fit, the right development, and, and the right situation. And Mark, just to elaborate a little bit on what you were talking about with Kayvon Thibodeau and the evaluation process, I would imagine it's similar for your colleagues at NFL Network, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Even though they're technically media, they were scouts for a decade apiece, and so they have a similar situation where they don't sit down and really do their nitty-gritty film work until after the season is over, which I know Daniel Jeremiah has talked about before. Yeah, and, there, and Daniel will say, where people ask him, why is that guy falling? And he goes, well, for me, they're, they're not falling. It's just I haven't looked at them, and now I'm just writing my report about them and how I see them. And Lance Zerline is another guy that writes for us and is on with us, who I think is, is excellent at what he does. And he really puts it out there, the true evaluation of not letting the outside influence what he writes. And you see that a lot even in scouting departments, and I've dealt with it with scouts or coaches where instead of just evaluating what you see on film, all the other stuff goes in. They, they listen to the media. They listen to their friends with other teams. They listen to their buddies on the road. And the, the ground swell for a certain player that's supposed to be great, they can't come off of that. They, they, they don't believe what they see. They're going with what everyone else supposedly sees in a player, or if there's an under-the-radar player that they really like and the ground swell isn't love, loving them, they don't have the conviction to really step up and say, no, I, I really like this guy. So th that is a big influence, man. And, and I'm a part of the media. And what we do on there is we try to build a lot of these guys up to make it intriguing. We, you know, it is still entertainment. So, uh, you know, we're not really genuine with a lot of the things we do on the network. When I talk about the draft on shows like this, I always give 100 percent my opinion. And even when I'm on the NFL network, I do that as well. But they, we try to frame a lot of things to make it intriguing for the fans. That's a good thing. Guys in front offices don't listen to media all the time because if they did, when you were in Philly, you'd have picked Ricky Williams instead of Donovan McNabb. And all due respect to Ricky Williams, who is a great running back, Donovan McNabb was 100% the right choice. Yeah, and that's that was the second year of my career. So I learned right away that you have to stick with your conviction and you have to stick with how you feel about a player in the building. And you just absolutely can't let the media and, and the fans, you know, Donovan got booed on draft day. You know, the fans were, were ready to riot because we, we took him. And, and that was my second year. I was 20, whatever years old and said, man, and when you make a huge monumental decision like that, and you turn out to be correct in the decision that, that set the tone for me, that set my foundation of, yeah, this is, this is how you have to deal with it. Um, but I, I, there is a lot of people in the NFL, a lot of teams that can't do that and, and do get swayed uh, by that public opinion. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. 
Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Mark, let's talk about the secondary because the Jets made some improvements this offseason. They went out and they got Jordan Whitehead to be the strong safety. They also signed DJ Reed to Blake Corner. Certainly welcome additions, but that doesn't mean that there isn't more work to do at free safety. They've got LaMarcus Joyner, who's 32 and coming off a major injury. At the other corner spot, Bryce Hall and Brandon Nichols, who we don't know for sure are going to be penciled in as starters. If anything, those are two guys that might compete for a starting job if the Jets don't upgrade. We've heard the names Sauce Gardner, Kyle Hamilton, Derek Stingley Jr., Trent McDuffie. There are several others that can make an impact both at safety and at cornerback. Tell me what you think of these guys. Well, right there with the Jets at, at number four, number 10. For Sauce Gardner, and people ask who's the best player in the draft, I always say him. Just as when you look, when you go down your checklist of the elements that you look for for a successful Pro Bowl player. <clears throat> One second. <clears throat> he kind of checks the bill for all of them. Whereas some guys have some missing deficiencies, he kind of has them all. So at number four for the Jets, I think that would be the perfect spot for Sauce. And but if they don't go that route, you know, the other corners they could kind of get depth down there uh, with with Andrew Boone Jr. or Stingley, as you mentioned, he worked out really well yesterday. But the film is up and down, even at McDuffie or McCreary from Auburn. So. I think there's a lot of options for the Jets, just depending on where they want to take a player, just anywhere from that four to 38 range, and they'll get a good player. But, yeah, the secondary definitely needs to be addressed. You mentioned a lot of names that are on the roster right now, but I I think corner is definitely at the top priority of the Jets' needs. How about safety? Where do you fall on Kyle Hamilton and some of the other guys in this safety group? Yeah, this, this safety group, it's uh, surprising. I've heard some people say how great the group is. I, I, just, I don't think it's that good at all, to be honest with you, and just a bunch of, of fill-in-the-spot the guys. And uh, with Kyle Hamilton, I've never, from day one that I've watched him, I, I just don't understand the hype with him, and it's, especially with being the best player in the draft and all that kind of stuff, or uh, other people are touting that. I, I liken him a lot to Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson a couple years ago. If we didn't have the Isaiah Simmons experience, 
you may try to sell Kyle Hamilton to me a little bit. I still wouldn't like him. But if you remember uh, Isaiah Simmons, they played him all over the place at Clemson. Mm-hmm. And you could put together a great highlight film reel of Isaiah Simmons making plays. But when you really just watched Isaiah Simmons, he didn't excel at really any position that they played him at. They schemed him into a lot of plays as far as, hey, just stand here, whether you're at free safety, whether you're at outside linebacker, whether you're at end, and just run straight and – and uh, well, the rest of the guys will take care of the rest. But now that he's been in the NFL level, you know, a defensive coordinator, and I've been in draft meetings where, it, it, you know, if you, you play all these positions in college, but then once you have draft meetings, each position coach is going to say, well, you know, he, he doesn't really fit what we do. And your linebacker, well, he doesn't really fit what we do. And then your defensive coordinator is saying, well, this guy's not that great of a player that I'm going to change my entire defense or just make a role for him. So with Kyle Hamilton, I see him very similar where, yes, he looks great. Um, his, his workout was disappointing for some. For me, I saw that on film where I didn't think he was a very explosive, fast guy, and he was going to struggle in space. And a big old guy like that out in space will get targeted every time. And you, in the modern NFL, just having a forward, uh, a, a big safety that just comes forward all the time, and I don't think he's a, an aggressive forward player like I'll bring up Jamal Adams because uh, you guys had him, where Jamal Adams, at least when he came forward, you know, this this guy wrecked havoc. But Jamal is limited in what he can do. And when he goes backwards, it's a struggle for him. And I see Kyle Hamilton the same way, where he's not Jamal Adams just as far as how effective he is when he comes forward. And then when he goes back, there's a lot of struggles just because he's just too big and he just doesn't have this change of direction and speed and explosiveness to play out there. So, yeah, I think Kyle Hamilton, if he gets taken way up there, I, I think the team will be disappointed. I've heard whispers that some teams might even view Kyle Hamilton as a linebacker. Can you see that? I don't. And I, and I talked about the, the physicality of it. You know, just because he's that big, you still have to have certain elements of being an aggressive guy that, you know, you say what you want about Jamal, but Jamal was a tough, aggressive guy uh, with that. And Kyle Hamilton just does not have that same sort of temperament to do that. So, when you he reminds again, I'll go back to Isaiah Simmons, where everybody well they said, well just put him at linebacker, but that just wasn't his temperament. That, that to play in there and to have that grit in there to to that takes a certain element, and and Isaiah Simmons just doesn't have that, and he still has not shown that that's really what he likes to do. So when I watch Kyle Hamilton, that just doesn't seem as if when I watched him on film, that just does he doesn't show those traits of I like to do this, I like to get in the mix, uh, and I like to be physical and nasty in there. Mark, finishing up on the defensive side of the ball, the Jets could absolutely use help at linebacker. The only established starter they've got there is C.J. Mosley, who is probably going to be gone after this year. And then you've got a bunch of guys that are still trying to prove themselves, like Quincy Williams, for example. And you've got some of the players that they picked last year late in the draft. They're trying out Hams and Nasraldine at linebacker, Jamie and Sherwood. So we'll see what they get there. But they could certainly use an upgrade. And then interior defensive line. They've got some pretty good names there. John Franklin Myers, Sheldon Rankins, Quinn and Williams. But the run defense was really bad last year. So they might be looking to add some more pieces. Anybody you like at linebacker and interior defensive line? Well, Devin Lloyd, he's, again, another one of my favorite players in the draft. Just I think he's going to be a, a multi-year pro bowler, all-pro kind of player. Just really love him. If the if the Jets can fill that spot somewhere in those those first four picks, well, first about four and first two, or or you know maneuver up to the board to even get another. That, that I think he's going to be an instant upgrade for any team. 
you know, a Christian Harris from Alabama, you know, his skill set, I mean, the guy's a super explosive, just fitting into a defense, uh, a modern NFL defense. I, I think he's there. You know, the defensive line group, just as far as the interior guys, it's just a bunch of kind of what I just call grunt players in there who give their all, make a mess in there, but aren't really uh, effective pass rushers. If, if you're, in my view, if you're not rushing the pass, affecting the passer, it's kind of your value goes down a little bit. And guys are more bunched together just as far as our value. Okay, you, you need those sort of players. But in order to go high with them, they need to affect the pass rusher, the passer, the quarterback. And uh, most of those guys in there are just kind of grunt guys. Um, you know, Jordan Davis from Georgia, the big, huge name. And um, But by no stretch of the imagination, when you watch him on film, do you say that he's an effective pass rusher? Now, once he blew it out at the work at the combine, now all of a sudden everybody's saying, well, this guy can rush the passer. But when you actually watch him, he doesn't do that. But, um, again, it's some – with the Jets, it's any one of those positions on defense, another edge guy they, they could use, an interior, wherever they go, they have a lot of options, and it's good that they have those picks because uh, they can go any direction and just take the best value. Mark, that's one of the positives and might be the only positive of being as bad as the Jets have been the last few years is that they really can't go wrong anywhere because they have needs all over the field, including on offense. And I wanted to start in the trenches because Joe Douglas has talked about being a big trench guy. And we saw that twice in the last two years, he went offensive line in the first round with Makai Becton in 2020 and then Elijah Vera Tucker last year in a trade up with their second first round pick. So let's talk about the trenches. The big names, Ikemekwanu, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, Trevor Penning. The knocks on Cross and Neal seem to be that they're not the best run blockers. Aquanu seems to be a much more polished run blocker, but his pass blocking is a bit of a work in progress. Talk to me about these guys, but also some of the other offensive linemen, both on the interior and at tackle, that the Jets might be able to get after the first round because we know that Makai Becton and George Fant are both coming off of injuries. Fant entering the final year of his deal. The Jets are in that area now, too, where they're going to soon have to decide whether or not they want to pay Mekhi Becton. And it's center, too, Connor McGovern entering the last year of his deal, and he's also coming off an injury. So what do you think about this offensive line group? Yeah, as you mentioned, you're hoping Mekhi comes back and he's a foundation for you. You're, you know Vera Tucker, just as a rookie, played really well, foundation for you. Signed Tomlinson, he better he better play good for you <laughs> after signing him. And So you got a couple question marks up there, but – it, the, it, the offensive line group is, in my, when I view this, the deepest group of all the position groups this, in this year's draft. draft. I mean, you might get 10 guys drafted in the first round just as far as this O-line group. And there's a lot of variety just as far as the skill set and the talent level and what guys do in this group. A ton of tackles, but also some good interior guys as well. You know, Iki Aquano from NC State is, the, in my view, the most explosive naturally talented of all these guys and the nastiest of all these guys. You just don't see a guy this explosive and nasty. He does have a lot of technical issues he has to clean up, but a, a really smart guy who works works his tail off. So you're betting on – he is a good player now, but he'll keep getting better. You know, when you talk about upside, you have to have elements of upside, and this guy has that where he has the explosive ability and works. He just needs more time to play. Um you know, Charles Cross, I think, is just the best pure pass blocker, left tackle pass blocker of the group. And, um, 
you know, the, the interesting thing with the Jets is they do have Makai at left. So do you take a guy who's always played left and try to move him to right? Do you, do you try to move Makai? It's, it's interesting with that where do you lose value on a really good player because you have a, a foundational piece there already. But, you know, even guys like you know, Evan Neal, another guy that um, I think it, he, he kind of fits into the Thibodeau deal with me where I was dis, I'm disappointed every time I watch kind of Evan Neal and, uh, some of his limitations that he has, but he's such a, a huge recruit and huge name that people are still sticking him up there. Uh, but but just even going down the line where a guy like Kenyon Green from Texas A&M who, who played four positions there, everything but center, where you take him, I think he'll be a long-time Pro Bowl-type starter. Or um, a Trevor Penning, uh, just a big, huge, nasty guy from Northern Iowa, intriguing guys later on there like the – uh, Bernard Raymond from uh, Central Michigan or Sean Ryan from UCLA. So you're going to get a lot of depth there at the tackle position. Mm-hmm. And even interior, uh, Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, who I think is a really good player, or, or, or Cam Jurgens from Nebraska, another center. So a lot of, a lot of interesting players for the Jets. And, again, this is the year to have those four picks in the first 38 and uh, the, the strongest position group, in my view, is offensive line, and you can still go that route. Mark, I don't think the Jets are going to pick a running back in the top 38. They might, but this running back class seems to be a running back class that has some guys you might be able to get in the mid-rounds, but nobody that anyone thinks is going to go in the first round. You don't have that Saquon Barkley-type player here at the top of the class, but there are some good running backs here. Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, Brees Hall, Iowa State. My personal favorite, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. I know that Charlie Campbell, our friend over at WalterFootball.com, has compared him to Arian Foster. I kind of like that one. I've said Barry Foster, so a different Foster. Maybe he should change his name to Isaiah Foster. I don't know with all these comparisons to guys named Foster. But that might be a dated reference for some people. I'm sure you remember Barry Foster well from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, going way back with that one. Going way back. <laughs> Had to get the retro reference in there. But there are some other guys, too, though, that are going to be available in the mid-rounds. Tyler Algier, Zach Wilson's old friend from BYU is one name, Damian Pierce. So talk to me a little bit about this running back group. What do you think of those top three guys that I named, and are there any other guys that you think might be good options for the Jets, maybe in rounds three, four, five? Yeah, that's the the running back. As we know, the running back position has been kind of devalued over the last however many years just because of the way the game is played. But also, this I don't I don't even think in a normal year, if this is five years ago, you'd look at these running backs and say these guys are uh, first-rounders, second-rounders, guys that really change your franchise or play make for your franchise. I mean, these guys will get taken just because teams want to take running backs and need to take running backs. So these guys I think will get overdrafted. But as a whole, I, I talked about O-line being the strongest group. This this may be the, the weakest group. This or tight end may be the weaker group uh, as far as overall talent. And, yeah, you're, that's what you're really looking at in this group, in my view, is just backups. And you guys are, to help you or make the team be play special teams and back up for you, have a special role. Uh, one of my favorite dudes, another one is Kieran Williams from Notre Dame, just because you see Nat, you see what he does really well. And that's, uh, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a really got excellent vision and quickness and feel. He runs hard. So he's a guy that uh, can step in. You know, the size is, is a question, but the you know, little guys have shown that they can play in there. So if it's Jets, I, I would definitely not try to take one of these guys or overvalue any of these running backs. And, you know, Michael Carter, you're expecting big things from him and some bets there with Tevin Coleman. So, 
I would definitely just if I was running the team, but we, we got other, we got a lot of other position needs just because of the, the number one, the value of the running back position now is down. And number two, I just don't think this is an extremely talented group. Let's talk about the pass catchers, Mark. Last position, wide receiver, tight end. This is the position that a lot of Jets fans have really focused on. They've got Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Both guys had their share of injuries last year. You're looking to elevate Zach Wilson. And they went out and they tried hard to get an established wide receiver. They were in on Calvin Ridley, and then we saw what happened with him. He ended up getting suspended. They dipped their toe in the Amari Cooper water, ultimately decided he was too expensive. They were very close to getting Tyreek Hill. That didn't happen. Now we're hearing all the whispers about guys like A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf. I don't think any of them are getting moved, but the point is the Jets have been very aggressive trying to add a top-tier wide receiver. So now, most likely, they're going to have to head into the draft and try and do it there. I've personally maintained that there aren't any wide receivers in this draft that I think are special, like a Jamar Chase or CeeDee Lamb or somebody like that. Like I think there are some really good wide receivers here, but I'm not sure that I would spend the fourth or tenth pick on any of them. I think if anything, maybe you get one in the second round or even move back up from the second round into the first. My personal favorite is Jamison Williams, although he's coming back from that ACL injury, but you've got Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, Jahan Dotson. There's a lot of depth here. Talk to me a little bit about what you think about this wide receiver class, and maybe you think I'm wrong. Maybe it's possible that there's somebody in here that you think is going to be awesome, because last year you identified Elijah Moore, and clearly you were correct about that. And then also tight end, too. They classify as pass catchers as well. The Jets did add C.J. Ozama and Tyler Conklin in the offseason, so they don't have an urgent need, but there is some talk that maybe they'll go and grab one in the third, fourth, or fifth round, so... I know you said it's a weak group. Anybody there that you think they might be able to get in those rounds that could help them? Yeah, I agree with you on the receiver. You must have been listening to me because Jamison Williams is my – of all the guys, he has the chance to be <laughs> a special player. He's the most explosive out of all these guys. I mean, he just has electric speed when he's out there and can just blow the top off of a defense. But he does have some deficiencies. a slightly built guy. He already has the ACL, uh, the one-year production after transferring from Ohio State. But – you know, he has that Deshaun Jackson type of speed where it's just this wow speed there. So, uh, but but overall, you're right. I like a lot of these guys. I, they're definitely not in the class of last year where you had Jamar and, and uh, Demonte Smith. So I, I think these are a bunch of number two sort of players that you'd like to have, but you don't want to overdraft. Um, I like Drake London, just a big, strong guy who catches everything and plays big and uh, Garrett Wilson is a really good player. Chris Olave, another speed guy who will make plays. But overall, it, it just is not a, a explosive playmaking group, a game-changing sort of group of players, just a bunch of guys you'd like to have. Uh, speaking of my favorite player this year, last year was Elijah Moore. This year is Sky Moore mm. from uh, Western Michigan. So I, I guess I just like Moores and, and just a receiver group where – I think he's going to be an excellent player for someone there if they get him in the in the second round. But, yeah, so the Jets, again, I would not, especially not those first two picks, go with one of these guys. I don't think the value is there. And just as far as the tight end group, uh, I, I don't think it's a very strong group. I think Trey McBride is the class of this group from Colorado State where – I compared him kind of a mini Jason Witten where, mm. you know, not the most explosive moving athlete, but it's super efficient, excellent feel, excellent route runner, catches everything. 
uh, just just always gets open and it just, just catches the ball. And after that, you just kind of really have, in my view, um, you know, the Jeremy Rucker to the world of Ohio State or Greg Dolchich of UCLA that, you know, they're, they're nice backup, nice backup type depth tight ends, but you're not the explosive playmaking type tight ends. So I, that's a position as well if the Jets go that route that just sit and wait on that. Mark, as we discussed, the Jets have been very bad the last few years, and therefore, they have a lot of needs. So these picks could be used in a variety of different ways. Let's say you were sitting in the draft room with Joe Douglas, and he turned to you and he said, Mark, I bow to you. I want you to make the final decision on these picks. What would your strategy be, especially with those top four picks, number four, number 10, number 35, number 38? So again, with the Jets... You have a lot of needs, but in the NFL, the modern NFL, I think there's certain elements you need to win. And that's number one, by far, the most important position in sports, and that's the quarterback. And hopefully the Jets saw that last year with Zach Wilson. And then number two is who can affect the quarterback. And those are pass rushers. And as we talked about the edge rushers already. So, okay, now we'll prioritize who the best pass rushers are. Jets have Carl Lawson coming back. Hopefully he can provide impact and, all right, we'll prioritize that. Then three, it's a playmaker uh, as far as with the quarterback. Um, we saw that last year with Cooper Cup. Was with the Giants, we had guys with Bale Eli out with Plaxico Burris and Victor Cruz and Akeem Nix and the Monty Tumors of the world. So you need those guys that are just going to bail out quarterbacks and make big-time plays. I, I don't think that, as we just talked about, that wide receiver, that there's those sort of players there for the Jets. Uh, and then corner. So a guy like Sauce Gardner, even though the value, if you however you're prioritizing your your positions on your draft board, well, okay, well this guy is by far the best player in the draft if we see it that way, or uh, you know, we got to grab this guy. So you really set up your draft board by the value, pure value of how the players are, and then once you dig into draft days and who you're taking and looking at the board, you look at the depth of the positions and. Uh, but overall, if you get a chance to take a special player, you take that guy, uh, but then prioritize of, you know, quarterback and who affects the quarterback and who helps the quarterback the most. Mark Ross from the NFL Network, who is going to be a part of their draft coverage from April 29th through May 1st. He's also, of course, longtime right-hand man to Jerry Reese in the Giants front office when they won two Super Bowls. As you heard before, he was in the draft room when the Philadelphia Eagles selected Donovan McNabb. He is the executive vice president of football ops for the XFL. So he has got a lot going on. He's got a lot on his resume, and I'm really glad that he was able to take some time and break down the draft with me. Talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing for NFL Network with the draft. Also, in the words of your boss, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, finally the XFL is coming back next year. So <laughs> give us a little preview of what we should expect there as well. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah, well, that, well, first of all, my pleasure. And definitely after the draft, we'll jump back on. If the Jets take guys I like, I'll be like, it's a great draft. And they take guys I don't like, like, man, they didn't do They didn't do what I said. They didn't do have a good draft. So we'll go that route. But, yeah, I'll be on uh, in the studio during draft coverage. It, it's on total access uh, every day and throughout the day. So that'll be fun. And then with the XFL, we just got a lot of big things just working. Uh, we had the big new logo brand reveal yesterday. I don't know if you saw us. Everybody was excited about that. We, we had the – collaboration announcement a couple weeks ago with the NFL where we'll be helping them out with a lot of player safety and player development initiatives. 
and then we'll have a bunch of announcements coming up with our broadcast partners and our head coach and our cities and new uniforms. And so just a lot of big things to look for with XFL 2023 that'll be coming out in the next uh, few weeks. Make sure you follow Mark on Twitter too, at Mark Ross, so that you can be updated on everything he's doing, including what he's talking about with the XFL. Check out playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great All 22 breakdowns of a lot of the prospects that Mark and I discussed on the show today. Plus, we've got the Play Like a Jet store where you can get the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt. The Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.